This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about a specific type of cancer in cats called lymphoma. We'll be right back after these messages. My cat, Lily, loves to sleep on my head in the middle of the night and then run around chasing imaginary mice. And you know what? That's all stuff that I can deal with. What I can't deal with is a smelly, stinky litter box. So I use Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It clumps tight around odor and destroys it for a seven-day, odor-free home, guaranteed. That way, Lily isn't bringing home any stink into my house and not near my head in the bed. Because an odor-free home is a happy home. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about a pretty serious topic called lymphoma. This is one of the top three killers of geriatric cats. And unfortunately, as cats live longer, thanks to improvements in quality of care, better nutrition, and preventative medicine, I often see older animals succumbing to cancer. But I wanted to educate pet owners on this one because this is one that potentially has the most hope. In other words, this is one that can potentially respond to things like chemotherapy. Now, there are a lot of different types of cancers in cats, but the one that affects cats the most, again, is lymphoma. And this is really similar to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in humans. Now, this is a type of cancer that typically attacks the lymphatic system. In other words, the lymph nodes, the white blood cells called lymphocytes, and the thymus gland. But it can also spread to other organs. I end up seeing this a lot at the ER vet because it results in really chronic, vague clinical signs. And it can be a little frustrating to diagnose. So that's why I wanted to just educate pet owners on it. Now, when lymphoma cells grow in the body, they typically grow in three main areas. Again, the first one is the lymphatic system that I already mentioned. This is going to be the lymph nodes, and this is called the multicentric form. This is the type that dogs get the most often, and that's one of the reasons why it's so important that you have an annual examination at your veterinarian. Your veterinarian specifically palpates all the lymph nodes to make sure there's no sudden swellings in the neck or the armpit areas, which could be lymphoma. The second body system where we can see lymphoma, especially in cats, is the gastrointestinal tract. Now, the gastrointestinal tract goes from the stomach. Well, it actually starts back at the mouth to the esophagus, down to the stomach, the small intestines, and sometimes the colon. And this is one of the most common areas where I see cats getting diagnosed with lymphoma. 
it's really important to be aware of this type. So if you have a cat that vomits or has diarrhea, you want to make sure that you're following up carefully with your veterinarian. In another episode of ER Vet, we talk about inflammatory bowel disease. And this is the other rule out for a cat that vomits or has diarrhea. We want to make sure it's not cancer or lymphoma. The third area where I can see lymphoma is in the mediastinum. I know it sounds like a big word, but that's basically just the space that's in front of the heart. It surrounds the aorta and all the important vessels in the chest. And this is a type of cancer that I can see in really young cats, especially if they're diagnosed with feline leukemia, which is a really deadly disease. I've talked about feline leukemia in a previous episode of ER Vet, so make sure to check that out. Now, as a board-certified veterinary specialist, I already mentioned that gastrointestinal lymphoma is the most common type of cancer that I see in cats. Now, there is an association between the inflammation in the gastrointestinal tract and the potential development of lymphoma. And so cats with inflammatory bowel disease, or what we abbreviate as IBD, may be at risk for developing GI lymphoma in the future. Again, another reason why I keep on harping and saying, if your cat is a chronic vomiter, it needs to be diagnosed by your veterinarian sooner than later. Now, decades ago, before I even went to veterinary school, the most common type of lymphoma used to be the mediastinal type. In other words, the one in the chest cavity. However, this is less commonly seen And thankfully, that's because we as veterinarians are testing for feline leukemia and we're vaccinating for it more too. Now, don't get me wrong. We can see lymphoma in other parts of the body, but that's less common. So again, it's primarily in the gastrointestinal tract. Sometimes it's in the lymph nodes. Sometimes it's in the mediastinum. But very, very, very rarely we can see it in the kidneys or the central nervous system like the brain or the spinal cord. Very rarely in the skin or sometimes even in the airway, in the mouth, the larynx, the nose, or the trachea. Now, lymphoma is a really frustrating disease, and that's because there's two main types, what we call low-grade or small-cell lymphoma and high-grade or large-cell lymphoma. And these two types of lymphoma act really differently as cancers. Now, low-grade or small-cell lymphoma is the most common type that affects the gastrointestinal tract, and it grows more slowly. Because it's so slow growing, thankfully it can respond to oral chemotherapy drugs relatively well. So these are drugs like prednisolone or corambucil. And most of the time, 90% of cats will respond to treatment. This is the best type of lymphoma to get, the best type of cancer for your cat, because the survival is longer for low-grade lymphoma, with an average survival of one and a half to two years, which is really, really good. Unfortunately, the other type of lymphoma is called high-grade or large-cell lymphoma. This type is worse. In order to kill the cancer cells or to put your cat into remission, which means that the cancer cells temporarily disappear, we have to be really aggressive with chemotherapy. Now, most people have a really bad impression of chemotherapy. They have a negative association with a human family member who may have gone bald or gotten really nauseous or gotten really sick from chemotherapy. In a previous episode of ER Vet, we actually interviewed a veterinary oncologist, Dr. Keller, about cancer and treatment. So I recommend listening to that episode. With high-grade or large-cell lymphoma, we do have to be pretty aggressive with two types of chemotherapy injections, and oral medication. 
The oral medication, again, includes drugs like prednisolone, a steroid that we administer, but it also includes injections of more expensive chemotherapy drugs like vincristine, doxyrubercin, cyclophosphamide, L-asparginase, and a couple other complex drugs out there. Sometimes surgery or even radiation therapy may be necessary. Now, the hard thing to keep in mind with injections of chemotherapy is that you definitely have to go to your veterinarian or your veterinary oncologist for this. It requires injection. It requires an IV catheter at times, and it's more costly. And unfortunately, while complete remission can occur in about 50 to 75% of cats, the survival is much, much worse compared to low-grade or small-cell lymphoma. It's only about six months. Now, some cats don't respond as well to high-grade lymphoma or chemotherapy, so you definitely want to talk to your veterinarian about this. I will say I always recommend working with a veterinary oncologist also. If your cat or your dog was just diagnosed with cancer, please make an appointment with a veterinary oncologist. It doesn't commit you to the thousands of dollars to chemotherapy, but it lets you talk to an oncologist about what your options are. So it's worth the $100 to $200 exam fee just to get that initial consultation, in my opinion. We'll continue with this really important topic right after these messages from our sponsors. My dog, Mojo, was half beagle and half coonhound. He ate everything in sight. He would swallow things whole, including a chicken carcass, a bird nest with a bird in it, and assorted stones and sticks. We had to take him to the veterinary emergency room. After surgery, Mojo had skin issues. He was constantly itching and scratching, chewing on his feet, and chewing the hair right off of his legs, being irritated, lethargic, and just not the same dog. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. When we put him on the Dynavite, he took right to it. All of these symptoms disappeared. Dynavite is nutrition. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Something that he actually likes to eat. You need to put him on Dynavite. Dynavite for life. If you love your dog, you don't just want him healthy, you want him to be happy. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. We're talking about lymphoma in cats and how it can affect different organs in the body most commonly the gastrointestinal tract. We also talked about the different types of lymphoma that can happen in the body, low grade or high grade. But with all those fancy words, what is my cat actually going to show when it comes to lymphoma? Well, the clinical signs of lymphoma can vary depending on what organs are affected. But I'm going to tell you that most signs of cancer are pretty subtle. And it's not until they become really severe that I end up seeing them in the ER vet. The most common signs are not eating, hiding, losing weight. Even if your cat is obese, when you pet them, you may notice some muscle wasting over the spine, lethargy, increase in vomiting, softer stool, any kind of abnormal swelling or lumps or bumps on the skin or on the body, difficulty breathing, an increased respiratory rate, or your cat even breathing with their mouth open. These are the biggest signs that I see when it comes to lymphoma. Now, 
When it comes to diagnosing lymphoma, unfortunately, there's no simple test for it. Blood work doesn't typically pick it up, but there's a couple of things we're going to do. So when you go to your veterinarian, they're going to want to do a thorough physical exam and some blood work. That blood work is going to include a complete blood count, a chemistry panel, and a urine test. And while those tests are a couple hundred dollars, they are really important. In a previous episode of ER Vet, we interviewed Dr. Garrett Pachtinger about blood work in the ER. So make sure to check out that episode. But typically, this blood work is going to look at the white and red blood cells, the platelet count, the kidney and liver function, the protein, the electrolytes, the blood sugar, and the ability for the kidneys to be able to concentrate. The next thing we may want to start with are x-rays. And these let us look at the size and the shape of certain organs. We want to make sure we don't see any cancerous masses. But I will say the most important test I end up doing, at least in the specialty clinic, is an abdominal ultrasound. I generally recommend that an ultrasound be done by a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Radiology, so a board-certified radiologist. The difference between an ultrasound and x-rays is that an ultrasound lets us look at the architecture of the organ. X-rays let us look at the size, so it's really important for us to be able to look at the inside of the organs. If we see enlarged lymph nodes or thickened organs or enlarged organs, I generally recommend sticking a needle into it to get an aspirate. That's when I'll pull a few cells out, submit it to a pathologist, and have them look at the slides to make sure it's not cancer. Now, doing an aspirate sounds scary, but honestly, it's not. I do it at least 10 times a day. Most of the time, they can be really helpful, and they're not very invasive. What we're doing is we're sticking a vaccine-sized needle into a mass or an abnormality, pulling a few cells out, and then again, putting that onto a slide. Now, if I don't get an obvious answer on the aspirate, I will do a biopsy. That's more invasive. That requires sedation or even general anesthesia. And that's where I'm actually removing tissue, not just cells. But that gives us a more obvious answer. Very rarely, more advanced tests like a PCR for antigen receptor rearrangement, what we call the PAR test, or even surgery may be necessary to help diagnose what's going on. And that's why I always recommend making an appointment with a veterinary oncologist or another specialist for more advanced workup. Ultimately, is there a treatment for cats with lymphoma? Please know that if your cat or your dog was just diagnosed with lymphoma, it's not a death sentence. While it's one of the most common types of cancers that I see at the ER, it's the one that has the best prognosis with treatment. Again, a lot of people have a bad memory of a patient or a friend or a previous pet going through chemotherapy, but it's actually pretty rare for dogs and cats to have side effects from chemotherapy. So when in doubt, it's worth making an appointment with a veterinary oncologist so you can talk to them directly. And that's again, because a lot of patients can handle chemotherapy relatively well. Yes, cats can lose their whiskers, they can lose a little bit of fur, they can lose their appetite, or they can be a little bit nauseous at times associated with chemotherapy. But most of the time, the side effects from chemo are typically less than 10 to 20% of the time. And if there are side effects, we can easily treat that at the ER vet by giving fluids under the skin, anti-vomiting medication or anti-nausea medication, or even different appetite stimulants that can help entice appetite in your cat. Remember, cancer isn't curable in veterinary medicine, but some cats can live for several months, up to years, with different types of lymphoma. So you always want to check with your veterinarian or your veterinary oncologist 
to see if there's more options for your cat. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.